welcome everyone to uh, chat between the three of us. Um, first of all, I'm Sam, I'm a craftsperson at Codurance uh, with about sort of eight years experience across retail, healthcare, etc. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoying it. Mac, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, my experience is 12 years in the industry across healthcare and banking, mostly, uh, mostly software engineering, but lately quite a bit of platform engineering and for over 10 years, also leading teams here and there as well. And in Codurance for over two years right now, and same as you, Sam, enjoying every bit of it. Excellent. Last but not least, Abdul, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, so I'm Abdul. Um, I've got about eight years experience now across travel, retail, and healthcare. Um, mostly in, in agile transformation, digital transformation space with uh, kind of software delivery. Um, and a lot of uh, kind of cloud sprinkled in there usually, um, which is always a lot of fun. Currently uh, been at Cogerance for just over a year now. And uh, similar to everyone else, uh, really enjoying it. Excellent. Well, uh, you'd be glad to know I'm going to try and be on my best behavior today, not, not make too many jokes, um, which you'll all be like, whoa, what a sigh of relief. Um, but um, yeah, so first of all, I want to sort of start off with what we're going to talk about, which is software modernization, um, particularly around the teams working on software modernization projects. Um, but maybe maybe we could just go around and just sort of talk about what you define as software modernization because um, we're all going to have slightly different definitions, um, I suppose, um, and what, what, how you feel um, is an important thing uh, for the industry. Uh, and uh, the, the random, I want to go with you, Abdul, first. You, you go first. Um, yeah, so I guess it's the heavy stuff to start with. I think, so what, what's, what, does, what is software modernization? I think um, a lot of it depends on how you define legacy software. Um, the way I look at legacy software is essentially software that's either accrued enough debt or natural entropy um, that it's no longer able to sustain the pace of innovation uh, that's required of it from a kind of business perspective. Um, so if we look at some systems, they naturally evolve very slowly. Um, perhaps they're not particularly key to the business, so we might think within a most companies' perspectives, maybe a HR system might be a good example of this. There's not much need for change. Um, so you could have a lot of entropy, a lot of debt. It doesn't matter. Um, but you could have other systems that are quite critical. Maybe something like a pricing system might be a good example, where, again, there's quite a lot of debt. But in this case, it doesn't allow the, the company to be competitive as a consequence. Releases are slow, um, and there is a higher demand for features than can be added. Um, potentially, uh, and a lot of potential outages and, and problems that affect the business. So I think in those contexts, that's my context for kind of what, what is legacy software, it's suffered entropy and debt to the extent to which it can no longer serve its business purpose. Um, that'd be, that's my my stab at it. I mean, that, that was that's a lot nicer than you're going to hear my definition. That was, that was pretty nice. Uh, Mac, how, how about yourself? Yeah, so Abdul pretty much nailed it, but uh, from my perspective, I would say in the different words that it's something that each development team should be doing constantly, every day, because otherwise, if you're not modernizing as you're delivering new features, you, as Abdul mentioned, there's this entropy and there's technical depth naturally been introduced. And additionally, once a lot of the teams that do not do that, and they end up in a place where 
they cannot uh, release fast enough or when they release, like everything breaks and they don't know why. Um, uh, so when they arrive at this point, when I see, and they need to modernize, they don't know what that means exactly, actually. <laughs> and it's not a simple thing that you can come in as a consultant and say, you need to do this, this, and this. And it's a longer process of discovery and learning about the details of the processes and um, um, like the very much nature of modernization. If if uh, the technical debt is quite high, it's uh, it requires a, a lot of analysis and discovery and uh, this consultancy aspects uh, takes quite a bit of time before we can define what modernization for this team for this application that has this amount of technical debt would possibly be. Nice. Uh, you, uh, you both sort of somewhat annoyingly uh, already covered what I had in my head. Um, one thing I wanted to add was that legacy code that often we associate with software modernization, um, I mean, code, platform, there's different forms of, of legacy. Um, but for me, it's also about the element of fear as well. Uh, in terms of there's like a fear to change something or if I change this I don't know what what's going to happen um, and as you said Mac like when you have that constant attention to um, to, to, to modernizing you know you, you're constantly trying to move forward because uh, if you're trying to like adopt like a maintenance mindset I think at some point you're going to get left behind because you're you're not constantly trying to move forward and that can be from like small things um, like making sure you know um, you're patching um, security vulnerabilities in the different um, bits of code that you're using, et cetera, uh, to, to a bit larger things. But it's that constant thing within a team. Um, so that's why I think software modernization is important because, you know, if you if you don't do it, then uh, you're going to have many issues. And this is where a lot of companies find themselves in. Um, as as we know, Abdul has a, has a stat. Of, I think it's like, is it like 70% of software modernization uh, efforts fail? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's... It's not a small number, uh, at least uh, uh, where, where where that data came from. You know, it's, it's not a small number um, of projects. Um, so one thing I wanted to dig into, um, as, as we said, was the team. You have this uh, software modernization effort. Um, so a company is identified either with like external help or themselves that they need to modernize. Um, they can't keep doing uh, what they're doing. It's just not sustainable. Um, and I wanted to start, I guess, with maybe we can draw a bit of a, a comparison in terms of what's different between, say, a software modernization project and more sort of a greenfield, uh, you know, new um, new territory sort of thing. Um, and this could be a, a big topic to get into, but I don't know who wants to start with uh, some of the differences between, between the two. Uh, I guess I, I can battle off a few. Um, I think what some of the primary differences is context. So when you think about Greenfield project, you're very much focused on the problem, the customer problem or the business problem that you're trying to solve, right? Um, and in many ways that results in a, a, a lot less restrictions, obviously, and a lower cognitive load. That's not to say that you necessarily write the software that solves the problem, but I think that's a different discussion. Um, in one of the biggest differences in the legacy context is that obviously you have existing software. 
that doesn't just have behavior embedded in it, but a lot of business assumptions, uh, whether they tally with how your organization expects the system to behave or not is, is, a, is another question again. Um, so that context means that there's, in my mind, a lot more analysis that needs to happen, not just to understand, again, the same problem with the Greenfield project, what's the problem we're trying to solve for uh, the customer, uh, potentially. But the, another set of analysis to understand the existing software, how it behaves, where it's integrated into, what other systems may be dependent on it, and um, how to leverage a lot of the existing capability. Because obviously with legacy, again, you start greenfield, you start small, you build up over time, um, and there's not the sunken cost essentially associated to it. With a legacy system, you know, there could be 10, 20, 30 years worth of um, critical business capability embedded in that software that you can't just ignore. Um, so then there's that aspect of understanding the existing software and how you can kind of leverage it uh, to, to achieve a, a slower transformation. All of this basically in my mind, to, to summarize, the, one of the key differences in my mind is the approach. One is for Greenfield's very experimental, let's go out there, let's see what the customer needs. The legacy projects I feel are much more considered to try and understand the existing business context, understand the, the context that the system exists in, and a meaningful way to slowly migrate that to a more modernized platform uh, without losing the existing value. So I've got a question. Uh, do, do, you, do you think it, it's um, useful that, maybe, maybe both ways, that people working on a software modernization project would have some experience of a Greenfield project and, and vice versa? Because, I mean, ultimately, when you're working on a Greenfield project, you're potentially creating a candidate at some point for modernization somewhere down the road if if you don't do as as as, as Max said. I would qualify that by saying I think what you need is not necessarily someone with greenfield experience, but someone with experience building platforms that are customer focused. Right. So I think you can have good greenfield projects, right, and bad ones. And for me, one of the big one of the biggest indicators of a successful project is whether it solved a business, uh, a customer's problem. It's allowed for business growth in a sustainable way. Um, and I think that having that experience in a team allows us to orientate the context of the modernization to what adds value to the customer rather than what, you know, empirically might seem like the best thing to do because, you know, we put it on a spreadsheet. So I think that customer focus um, can add a lot of value. Um, alongside with maybe a bit more innovative thinking. Uh, but I would qualify that. I don't think it's anyone from the Greenfield Project. I think it has to be someone with experience of delivering valuable uh, and sustainable Greenfield Projects. Mm -hmm. We'll get into a little bit more into that in terms of, I think, the different makeups and stuff. But before we get into that, maybe maybe Mac, like maybe you want to talk about some of the, the differences you see uh, between the two. Uh, so maybe let's try to give a more like technical spin on on uh, on this question. So if you really think about it, so the Greenfield project is like people are excited about it. They're going to try out state of the art technologies. I don't know, also maybe some platform engineering, new things, and you know, go into the cloud. And but that's what you think when you think about you know Greenfield project from a developer perspective. And sometimes I guess when developers think about software modernization so on an existing project they think you know this huge monolith and it's there's really nothing like state of the art that will be revolving around that there's nothing new that i will learn but actually it's, it's to be honest the contrary and it's quite similar 
you really look, look at it in terms of like a greenfield project, because there's a difference between software modernization and maintenance of existing legacy system, right? Or modernization is this like, you know, this is an educated choice. We're going to go in and we're going to bring this legacy piece of software to the state of the art form, actually. And actually, you, you actually learn sometimes maybe even more than in a greenfield project because you need to be a lot more creative in terms of figuring out which state of the art, like technologies, libraries, or some services in the cloud could potentially you be um, replacing in this like the legacy system. So actually, there is for a for a for a developer, it's it's pretty much uh, similar as a greenfield project, but I would say it's even better because they learn a lot more because they face a lot more challenges. Um, so that's what I think they they can learn a lot more, right? Um, and also they uh, once they go to the the greenfield project, as you started this conversation, they will already have this context that you know it's not easy once things. You know the technical debt rises need to modernize uh, it's not an easy thing so once you go to the greenfield project you have this this in mind is to make sure this doesn't turn into another this monolithic problem you know uh, so that's my like technical spin on it i would say so uh it's, it's actually from my point of view it's quite similar to the greenfield effort and possibilities of the developers learning new things and actually using the state of the art technology. Mm. It's interesting what you said around um, yeah, the education piece that it can be quite uh, educational and you learn and that, as you said, like may, maybe, uh, you know, it, it is good that, you know, people newer to uh, this industry can get exposed to that earlier in their career, because then, as you said, they then go to a, you know, a greener project. Um, or, or move on to do more sort of software modernization work that they they have that experience, that understanding, um, you know, of of the things they're building. Uh, because you sort of, to some degree, you're looking at different ends of the spectrum. Um, with certain systems, you're looking at them sort of, they could be like 15 years old um, and they're looking to be modernized. There could be, then you look at a system that you're building today. Um, and it's important, I think, to have the different perspectives. Um, and I think that's sort of, one of the things that I personally find you get from a modernization project is you get a different perspective. Um, and I think that's important. And also there's one more thing to add. It's like, uh, it's like, like in between the, the Greenfield project and like this, um, the maintenance of the legacy software, which like most of the like junior devs are like thrown into initially, you, you know, this is at least try to maintain this legacy piece of software. It's like, once you are in this software modernization project bubble, actually have a license for a lot of innovations and ingenuity that you didn't have when you were only like given the task of maintaining existing existing software. And uh, this is where this you develop most as a developer. That's what I think. That's really that's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think I think as well, like it's just um I think I think it, it's a good experience because you also gain an appreciation for constraints. They're inevitable in, in, in anything you work on. There's going to be some constraints, um, but I think in software modernization, um, you become more aware of, of constraints because um, you, you you can't just come in and say, "Oh, you know, you're going to you know rip this thing out or whatever." You know, you, you can't be um, like that blasé. You have to understand the constraints that you're working 
uh, within. Um, and I've definitely heard, you know, <laughs> things in the past when people are like, oh, you know, why don't we just get rid of it or whatever, you know, but but you can't just, it's not just a case of getting rid of it. You need to, well, if, you, if that is genuinely what you want to do, then, you know, how do you want to do that? You know, and there's many different uh, options within that that we can dig into. But yeah, um, and it's sometimes it's even, uh, again, like this additional challenge comes in because in a greenfield project, okay, you need to set up a pipeline on a greenfield project. That's what you always do when you start. For the legacy stuff, a lot of those don't have this kind of things. But the difference is you need to set up a pipeline um, for, you know, it's like, a car that is parked for a greenfield project, you need to change the tire. And for software modernization, it's already running 100 miles an hour on the highway, right? And you need to change the tire while that is happening, right? So um, I know for me, this is like most um, most interesting thing that you can do, like in terms of modernization, because greenfield is fun, right? It's but it's uh, it's not as challenging as modernizing something that's already there. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. I, I was going to go along something similar in terms of, yeah, the fact that there's like this maturity difference between, you know, you're just starting out on something versus, you know, uh, a well-established piece of software, uh, you know, and it is difference in impact. And, and again, it's that perspective piece as well, because if you've just worked on on Greenfield, um, or especially like the super early parts of, of Greenfield project, you maybe have a certain amount of users and you might say, oh, let's just do this. You know, on when you move to a software modernization project, and it's like, well, yeah, but you know, when you did that, the context was a bit different. You know, you might you had a hundred users, where you know we have millions of users. Uh, you know, so it's just different in terms of the impact. Um, and that, yeah, I agree, it has some different challenges because, as you said, you know, it's going down the highway uh, super fast. You know, rather than just sort of the, the car coming out your drive or something. You know, it's it's quite different, quite a different challenge. I wanted to dig a little bit into. Um, we kind of touched on a little bit, a little bit earlier on, but in terms of the the, the team makeup itself and maybe the different sort of skills um, that you would sort of look for when when staffing uh, a team um, approaching a software modernization project, um, and we can dig a little bit into as well, which is somewhat related, which is uh, the sort of um, the involvement you need from the client as well, the types of people you would need uh, to gain a good picture um, of of a particular issue um, and why something's been modernized. Um, but let's maybe start with maybe what your thoughts are, um, Abdul and Mac, on, on staffing a team and who should be in that team. I know we've sort of touched on it a little bit in terms of, you know, we said maybe it could be even good experience for people newer to the industry, but more specifically in terms of software modernization, what, what do you think um, it should look like in terms of a team? And again, I'm, I'm saying this with the, the huge caveat of it depends on the exact, you know, thing to be modernized. Um, but like in, in general, there's some sort of common um, roles and responsibilities that you've, you've seen work well. Uh, so from my side, I think I'm going to bring what uh, Sandro did put in his book uh, at some point, what he's looking for, regardless of what kind of project is. He's looking for passion, right? So uh, that's what I also would like to see, like passionate engineers that are part of my team. And whether I'm doing something completely new from the scratch or it's software modernization work, uh, if there are passionate engineers, they have passion for solving complex engineering problems, we're going to be good, you know? So unless it's specifically someone that is clearly a software modernization there's not much like platform in there and someone really wants to be only on the platform engineering side and probably bringing them in um 
would cost not to be them too happy, right, about it. Um, so you have to have some awareness, but yeah, if you have passionate people uh, who are quality engineers, ingenuitive, uh, that's what I would be looking for, right? Initially, because what more can you know, really, right, about them? Then you, you have to see with time, like how the team gets along and reacts accordingly, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Abdul? Yeah, I, I would say um, one of the most important things for me is a, a higher degree of pragmatism. Um, I think you need very pragmatic engineers to make a modernization project work. Uh, you, you see a lot of projects that are going back to that 70% stat. I think there are two sides to that failure. One is a lack of ambition. You know, well, we're going to sit around a whiteboard and try and figure out how to achieve, you know, a completely safe modernization, which never gets anywhere. But then the other side of that spectrum is um, an excess of ambition, you know, or well, we'll completely rewrite this component or completely rewrite the whole thing or, you know, a, a, a kind of overzealous approach maybe to, to approach the problem. Pragmatism, I think, is extremely important, not just obviously in modernization, but in all development, but especially in modernization. You, you need to have a pragmatic understanding of uh, the complexity of what you're dealing with um, and a pragmatic approach to modernizing that software gradually, which we've obviously seen a um, number of times within our current kind of uh, um, company. Um, so I think that, to me, that's the, the most qualifying aspect. And that doesn't have to necessarily be everyone in the team has to be equally pragmatic. You need a, a good uh, variety in the team, I'd say. Um, you need people that will kind of push it a little bit and say, okay, why not, which is always great. Um, but you also, I think, need people on the other side of it that are going to be a bit more, um, maybe thinking a little bit more ahead about, okay, well, where can we actually get the value in? earliest you know what is actually an achievable target how can we get that feedback in earlier i think and i think that usually comes my experience from slightly more seasoned engineers someone that's kind of seen it a little bit um so i'd always want a kind of mix as i say someone maybe who's a bit younger just come in um but i also think it's important to have people that are a bit senior as well have seen it and can say sounds like a grand idea but one two years down the line we might not be able to release software if we go through a kind of like big bang approach of rewriting, you know, major components as an example. Um, so that's, that's my kind of preference. It, 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 it makes sense. Uh, and it's what you said, like maybe not everyone would, is going to be exactly the same place on, on, on the scale of, you know, pragmatism or et cetera. But for the most part, like as a team, they're going to have, you know, a certain degree of pragmatism as max said they're going to have passion um and i think having making sure that you you have as a team that that uh that perspective and i promise this isn't the word, my word of the day but you have that perspective um where you can recognize the impact of your decisions um because obviously we're all, we're all humans we all you know we all have we all have technology we all have our own opinions etc um and uh, our own past experience but you have to understand that when you're operating, especially in software modernization, that those decisions you make do have uh, can have quite a large impact. Um, so it's about understanding. Well, you know, if we decide to use technology X or Y, that can have a bigger impact. Understanding the context of the organization um, and and sort of the um, 
their preferences as well. Um, as well, just understand those constraints. I think it's super important uh, in the team and to make sure that that is understood within the team. Yeah, and, and just to, to add on to that, I think, you know, there's the technology aspect of it where we need a lot of pragmatism. But I think one of the things that uh, maybe we'll touch on in, in future discussions, um, a lot of uh, legacy software exists in, you know, quote-unquote legacy organizations. Um, and that in its own right, can create a lot of challenges that requires a, a lot of patience by a team, right? They're not necessarily working with a client that understands all the state-of-the-art ways of working and technology adoption and what that actually implies to your ways of working, how your organization's organized. So having, again, at least individuals in the team that can deal with that um, and you know understand the context of the client and not necessarily um, create confrontational relationship, I think is extremely important. Mm. Interesting what you said as well around the, uh, you know, some people have the big ideas, um, but it's just putting those in, in sort of in the, in the perspective of the particular situation that you find yourself in because because every single software modernization project is going to be slightly different it's going to have different constraints as you said the organization yeah, is going to be different as well um but that sort of project is within um and it's about just being able to to balance sort of the decisions you make you know you can't just come in and say you know oh there's this uh you know going to it's like you know you want to go to the house and say oh this is this is beamio oh you know let's let's get rid of it you know and then you take it down and then <laughs> before you know it, it stumbled down on you like you know you need you need a certain approach uh, to, to, to to modernization. Um, yeah, but I think in the end, is the uh, any kind of extreme is bad, right? If you get only seniors in there, super pragmatic, they'll just keep on discussing things, and it will be hard for them to like kick off something properly. Let's let's try things out, right? If you have some kind of a balance of people that want to do try things, maybe they didn't before, but they want to try them. The only other side, if you have only like juniors who want to change the world, and that might also not be a good thing. But if at the beginning you're a bit uh, smart about it and um, try to have a diversified team and uh, diverse team, um, and then along the way, as a team lead, it's your job to kind of balance that dynamics. That's kind of the way to go. So. It's a really good point because yeah, you you need that you need that balance as you said because you you know especially even with the more senior people they maybe have seen some of these things before in a different context but they've seen ah oh, we tried this before so someone just come up with an idea and they're like ah oh, that won't work and I, I, I've heard this before you know ah oh, that won't work but actually it's also about being open minded as well um, as someone more senior where you can say well yeah I, I did see something like this before but maybe the context was slightly different maybe it's worth at least looking at uh, and assessing it. Um, and if you can sort of run an experiment or some sort of time box activity to try and see if it has the you know, promise here, then then even better. Um, because, well, I, I've never seen it work well when someone just bats down an idea and says, oh, I, I, that, that didn't work before. You know, that that's not really, um, for me, a sign of a good team. I think what you touched on there, Mac, is just a sign of a good team and having that balance. And it doesn't mean everyone's, you know, going to be the same because then, they you wouldn't have the different perspectives. You would just want you want a nice balance within a team um, that sort of has all of these characteristics collectively. Yeah, um, and so if if you run the team properly, I guess with time it like evens out. I think it's like these people who are more like on the idealistic side. They saw this more pragmatic side that actually 
it also makes sense because some ideas actually don't make sense in this context. But also these more pragmatic people, they see, well, actually we have to pull the trigger on some things and see whether that works, right? That's that's why we are here to modernize. It's like, we don't know exactly what that means. We have to try some of things out, right? So, I mean, it's we, we've covered a, a bit of ground here and there's more we can probably go into with, with the teams. Um, I wondered if maybe it would be worth looking at maybe dig deeper into sort of legacy code or soft modernization and, and whether companies like what what they have in terms of does a company uh, in general just have legacy code or you know candidates to be modernized um or, or, or is there generally a mix uh, from what you guys have found uh, in your experience i'd say there's always a mix um almost always and and i think this is why at least for me personally the definition of legacy software is really important I, I, you see uh, a lot of individuals qualify everything as kind of legacy software requiring modernization, right? And I think it's really easy to do that, right? You know, something could be two, three years old or it's not perfect, we need to modernize it. Um, I think that's unreasonable. I think we need to be very careful about what we decide there's value in modernizing and investing that kind of effort into. Some things are perfectly good chugging along. And uh, there'll also always be usually um, software that's newer. Um, now, when it becomes legacy, it's a bit questionable. You, I've seen software that goes live, and within a year or two, they've got problems because it was built poorly, from the bottom line, um, and then requires that kind of effort to then immediately modernize it, more or less. Um, but I've also seen new platforms built that kind of exist in isolation of the rest of the ecosystem, um, where they are quite innovative, fast, and then the rest of the ecosystem is a bit slower, even when they're kind of core and central to the to the organization. Um, so I'd, I'd almost argue, almost without exception, you'll find a mix, um, depending on how you define it. And for me, again, legacy software is about software that doesn't meet the necessary uh, kind of operational requirements um, of the of the organization for its role. Uh, yeah, uh, I would kind of say the same, uh, though um, it's so in general, uh, yes, so there's the, the the more like legacy part of the systems and more like greedy part of the systems. But from my experience, uh, a lot of these greenfield projects, like Abdul mentioned, they quickly become legacy, right? So if a greenfield project starts it's almost inevitable that it will become the parts of the legacy actually and it will be a candidate for some kind of modernization unless you know the team is is you know um they're aware of this and as they create the the software they implement they think about this along the lines and try to apply some small improvements here and there um so maybe that process could be uh, lengthened a bit, but still at some point it will be marked as legacy, I guess. It's like, I never saw a project unless it was like a small plugin or something that did not end up as, look, this, there's, there are some problems in this. We don't know exactly what, but we are slow with this. There are some bugs. And this patch is right now the patch or badge that is given to this application rather than being this greenfield perfect thing. So. Uh, it's almost like like a cycle, normal life cycle of an application, right? It starts with Greenfield, and eventually there's uh, this legacy aspect to it, right? And 
but I think that's fine, right? Um, so, you know, if that happens, the problem is if most, if two, the only two types of projects are, you know, legacy maintenance and greenfield, right? And there is no the software modernization efforts like in the middle, which which for sure companies of like five, 10 plus years uh, in the back uh, would need basically. Uh, so that's fine as long as you have this some kind of a, a organized effort and thought efforts how to modernize uh, the software, not just come in and say and panic that we are not able to release and there are so many bugs which ends up in just patching more the legacy system, being it even more, sorry, less readable, less maintainable, and just going down the, you know, the pit. So you go, Abdul. I was, I was just gonna add really quickly. I think actually, I think that the, one of the main reasons we see that though is, is uh, because of something you touched on earlier, which is the general expectation that software projects go into a kind of maintenance mode. So, you know, the software is completed. Okay, now we just add a few features and it allows through that change that natural entropy to kind of kick in and tech debt to be accrued, especially if it's with the mentality of we're going to maintain this at the lowest possible cost, even when that software is critical to the business. Because there are newer models, obviously, I say newer, like 20 year old models to kind of avoid that happening. So we look at like obviously extreme programming and the, and the kind of scout rule is all there to try and stop getting to the point where you accrue so much tech that that eventually you you end up having to take what you know a big project to then pay that down which will always cost more than doing it incrementally and then if you even look beyond that to more modern thinking around things like evolutionary architecture the idea that you know your system is never static and we accept that it will evolve over time again it's like a a kind of way of avoiding it so i think there's there's something to be said about how how relatively toxic the idea of moving all your software into a kind of operational uh, state really is actually, I think, for for businesses in the long term to to the cost of maintaining your software. Yeah, that's 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 really important actually because um, as you, as you both were talking, I was thinking about uh, you know examples I've seen in the past where. And this kind of got me thinking the overall question, which is like, you know, can you really just enter like a maintenance mode? Uh, for software because like i've seen it in the past where there's external things that um you know affect things like um you know one could be cost like we're running this on this you know on this um infrastructure and it's costing us like not a small amount of money to do um and we recognize that we could run it uh cheaper etc there's sort of those situations then there's sort of um like i don't know adbs have said we're we're, we're no longer going to run service x and your your software's running on that service. It's like, oh, uh, okay. And I mean, admittedly, that's sort of reasonably reactive. Um, but I do wonder, like, um, when things enter, like, sort of this uh, maintenance window, and, and sometimes you almost end up with sort of these orphaned applications that they sort of maybe then get given to like another team to look after, and they end up, you know, with seven different services that they didn't build, you know, etc. Um, to sort of in this sort of maintenance thing, they never really touch. Um, and I, I do wonder, like, whether you, um, how often actually the the things that are in this maintenance mode um, could have maybe benefited from a bit, a bit of a uh, heavier touch, um, you know, sooner. Um, 
Yeah, so again, the, I guess this comes the question of this, like, is it really worth it to like rewrite everything or like modernize like everything in this? And from my experience, like the best bets, I guess, for this kind of application that, you know, is uh, legacy, but is still alive, it is used so in production. Um, it's like whatever new feature you add, new new piece you add to, to this application, it is created with the state of the arts technology as, as much as possible. Of course, there are the constraints, constraints of existing versions of the libraries, of the, but always there is a way to decide, and it, it's a leadership thing. So leadership has to decide it like from now on, anything new, new feature, let's leave the legacy part, you know, maintenance since like, you're not going to um, spend our money on rewriting everything. Will be beneficial probably like for you know our clients and for uh, the speed of our deliveries, but like ROI is just not enough there, right? So the best bets what I saw, and for the most of the legacy software that I saw, that's the best bet that you can uh, that you can have. So decide that any new feature uh, you try to uh, write it, implement it with state of the art ways that you collectively decide as a team. So. I mean, one of the techniques you can actually use to identify software is to think a little bit about that kind of worldly mapping. So what is commodity versus what is kind of core and differentiation uh, differentiator within the marketplace? So one of the things you sometimes see is a lot of, if, you, if your application is some kind of, you know, old payment system that you had from ages back and it was just a maintenance mode. And again, like AWS turns around and says, you know, that version of SQL we're going to get rid of, then you don't modernize it, you outsource it, you get rid of it. Um, but some software will always be a differentiator. Uh, and that software, I'd always argue, you should never go into an operating mode. Even if you don't see yourself making a lot of feature changes to it, it's too business critical not to be owned and cared for. And if it's truly differentiated, it will always change anyway. Um, so I think from a leadership perspective, as you said, Macho, they, they need to you need to have a really, you need to have your finger on the pulse about what systems are important to your organization and which ones are kind of generic and exist to support your, your kind of core capabilities. I have seen it before where there's, um, I don't describe this, but they almost seem quite humble that there's these applications sitting somewhere, you know, that people don't really talk, talk about too much, but they're actually quite critical to the business. Um, and then, you know, you only hear about them when, you know, something, <laughs> something goes wrong. You know, because they sort of entered this up, you know, this operational maintenance mode, um, and nobody works on them. Like you're not going to necessarily see in someone's sprint that someone's working, you know, uh, on this system or touching it. Um, it is interesting uh, what you what you just said, uh, Abdul. Thanks very much, uh, Mac and Abdul. Uh, do you have any sort of closing closing thoughts on uh, on this conversation? Um, my only closing note is that I'm looking forward for further conversations around the topic. That's my closing note. Exactly. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's been really interesting. Um, I guess talking about it briefly makes you realize actually how, how big a subject it is. Um, so hopefully a lot of content to come. Yeah, exactly. We've sort of just like peeked in, right? We just sort of opened the door slightly. We sort of see, you know, things. So we, there's so much more to talk about, I think. Um, so uh, yeah, I look forward to it.